We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object traveling at supersonic speed is headed over the North Atlantic. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. I feel retrogasmic. 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 With Dini Deluxe and Hattie LeBomb. Welcome to the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm Dee Deluxe. And I'm Hattie LeBomb. Hello, everybody, again. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is probably the last show before Christmas. This is Chris- the last show before <laughs> Christmas. We are. We don't have time. Christmas madness has taken over. <laughs> we are uh, insanely busy at the moment. Um, Hetty has got about three things going on at once. We are going in at the end of the week to record our second album with Boom Doom Deluxe, which uh, means we're rehearsing virtually every day trying to get that ready, ready to rock. Yep. Uh, and. Of course, Christmas and all that kind of malarkey, antics, bajapery. Mm. So, today's show, uh, we have an interview with the founder, organiser and living legend that is Noddy Watts for Beach Hop, the biggest festival in New Zealand. Yes, the biggest uh, rock and roll and car festival. Yeah, well, it's yeah. a car show, really. Uh, well, yeah. classic car. Yeah. Um, probably in the Southern Hemisphere, I would think. Yeah, it's enormous. So that's that's going to be great. We've got a special um, car-related vintage trivia. Um, I'm going to be reviewing a rare blues track, which is a song some of you might recognise, Black Betty. I think some of you will know the 70s version of that, but it's actually a really old blues song. Um, And, of course... We catch up with Winky. Winky, yes. uh, Not a Christmas Winky. Uh, like a pre-Christmas Winky. I'm not sure if we'll get to speak to her before Christmas, but she has promised that she's writing us a Christmas Winky song, which I'm holding my breath. I'm baited for that. Oh, yes, it's going to be a classic. It's going to be a classic. So um, let's crack on. Let's do the uh, the special car vintage trivia, shall we? Okay. So here's the question. What was the highest price ever paid for a car? What was the highest price ever paid for a car? Now, are we saying this is this isn't like a brand new car? This is some kind of uh, in this like like a, at an auction? Are we talking? Yeah, this was this was an auction. It was actually this year. The rec- oh, wow. The record was, uh, and um, it was a classic car. So I'm not talking about like a Bugatti Veyron or something that you can buy brand new that are several million dollars. This this was a, a classic car that was sold from one private person to another private individual this year. Well, how much How much did it go Ooh. for? Mm. Don't know. Okay, See. answers later on. So we're joined by Noddy Watts of Beach Hop fame. How are you, Noddy? I'm wonderful. Um, yeah, just loving life, and we're all set here at the festival. Fantastic. So um, uh, just for people outside of New Zealand, obviously everybody knows what, what and where Beach Hop is in New Zealand, but for uh, overseas listeners, t- uh, just tell us a little bit about the the event and, and I guess, how it started. 
Well, it's uh, the Beach Shop is a, a rock and roll festival celebrating all that's best of the 50s and 60s, which were an important part of uh, not just New Zealand's cultural history, but also around the world, because so many things changed after World War Two, And in the 50s and 60s, you know, the music, the fashion, the cars, motorcycles, the culture, everything changed. And, and that's what we celebrate uh, here at the festival. Yep. It started back in 2001 when a, a group of local business people noticed that uh, people from around New Zealand were coming to our local rock and roll club called the Coastal Rockers. They had a birthday hop dance at night, and there wasn't anything for the people to do during the day. So the business people thought, well, why don't we close the street, um, get some hot rods and some uh, motorcycles in, put some live music in, and have a little bit of a party. And it was called the Wongamata Rock and Roll Festival. And we had 100 cars and 100 bikes turn up, and about 4,000 people, which is coincidentally is the population of our little town that we live in. <laughs> so the first ever event, you doubled the population overnight. We did indeed. And um, at our debrief, we, things went really well. It was just a, basically a one-day festival. And, you know, we, I'm, I'm a hot rod guy and I've been to hot rod events, you know, around the world. And, and uh, this is a very special location here in Whangamata on the South Pacific coast of New Zealand and uh, we thought you know this thing has got real potential if we manage it right and uh, manage the growth but the first thing we did was rebrand it because the Wangamata Rock and Roll Festival is a pretty boring name so I came up with the idea that it's a hop at the beach so let's call it the beach hop. No brainer. No brainer really yeah so we, um, we presented the logo and everything to, uh, to the committee and uh, we registered it and uh and then the following year, we doubled. We had about 300 cars. Well, it's more than double, I know. But 300 cars and and, and uh, the crowds were up around the 9,000 mark. And then the year later, the third year, we had about 600 cars and it just kept growing. And uh, up until about 2014, I think it was, when we thought, you know, we had 1,400 cars enter for the event. And we thought, well, let's just scale it back a little bit. You know, we've done the big numbers and everything and, you know, 1,000 cars um, is ample enough show. So all up, we have about 1,100 registered entries to the, to the festival today. And um, But then you add in the 110 retro caravans. We have some day passes on the Saturday motorcycles. So up about 1,500 vehicles are registered for the event. But for every vehicle that's got a registration sticker on it, there'll be two or three that haven't. So hmm. probably about three or 4,000 classic vehicles in, in Whangamata for the, for the whole five days. Uh, we're, we're an Auckland-based uh, bunch of guys, and pretty much the only time we ever go to that part of the world is for beach hop or for um, you know other related things. And we, we went to Whangamata about three months ago, and it was really bizarre driving around this pretty little seaside town and stopping for a coffee and stuff and not being in a queue of just millions of dollars of classic cars and hot rods. It, it just seemed really weird. I've, I've, you know, I just associate that whole area now with the beach shop. Yeah, you know, you're dead right. And, um, you know, we live in paradise here. And for that one week of the year, you know, we wind the clock back to what it was like in the 50s and 60s and, you know, celebrate this, all that's good with that and with the classic cars cruising and, and everything. And, you know, it's such an important part of it's ingrained in Whangamata's, um culture itself now. You know, everyone talks about beach hop weekend or beach hop like they would talk about, you know, uh, other important 
birthdays that we celebrate throughout the year. Oh, for and, sure. Um, I mean, in the vintage community, um, Beach Hop is, is basically the landmark. Everything is planned ahead or after Beach Hop. I mean, it's the first thing that everybody puts in their calendar every year. I mean, it's a testament to, to you and your team. Talking of which, um, one of the very imp- – you know, having been lucky enough to be involved in it for a couple of years now, one of the things that – is very noticeable is how well organized it is because you've got i mean there must be over the four the four days what a hundred thousand people visiting yeah the um the city council because it's not a ticketed event it is hard to estimate how many people here but our local uh, city council have got a very um scientific way i guess you could say of measuring it and you know most human beings two or three times a day flush the toilet and all that goes through a treatment plant and oh. they can measure they can measure the volume and they know that each human produces X amount of um, waste water, I guess, every day. Um, and from that they can calculate um, how many people are here, but they also combine that with water consumption and also looking at the solid waste, um, you know, the wheelie bins and everything that gets taken away. So they come up with over 100,000 people on, on the Saturday. Alone on the one, um, just on the Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. So, so, um, so for the four the four days, you must be what one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand. Um, probably some people because we get people that turn up turn up on Sunday just for the Sunday gigs down at the park and the church service and the um, yep. the surf comp. We have people that go up to Onimana just for the day on the Friday, and of course Waihe and Woody Anger on the previous days. People just come into those days as well. So. Yeah, it's like I said, it's hard to get an accurate figure, but you know, it is one of the biggest events in New Zealand, and um, we're just—it blows me away to think that you know our culture, you know, the vintage culture, the rock and roll culture, the rockabilly culture, the classic cars, hot rods, etc. You know, in this little country of ours, um, it is one of the most popular events. And in fact, in 2017, we won the award at the New Zealand Event Association's annual awards. Or New Zealand's favourite event, where over seventy thousand people voted for Ripco Beach Hop Seventeen. That's so, fantastic. I mean, that's a testament to the, the work you and your team do, and and you know that I know the amount of effort that goes in must be sensational. So, just doing the sums, then about five percent of the population of the country goes to your festival. You're very good, and um, I, <laughs> I I actually make that point when we're overseas. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in the US each year. We I take tours over there. And, um, you know, I talk to people at car shows and I say, well, you imagine 5% of Americans turning up at a car show. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it kind of puts it into perspective about how popular this is. That's also, you know, I think it's testimony to Kiwis and about how we, we love the era and we love being outdoors and, you know, we've got such so many wonderful positive things here. And the hop seems to bring everything together and they can come here and, you know, we're, Kind of isolated. We've only got two roads into town, and there's mountains all around us. So they leave all their their bad stuff behind, come over the hills, and they're here to have a good time. And you know, after 18 years of running the festival, we've got an amazing team um, of all volunteers, and we all know our jobs, and it's a well-oiled machine. And it's just all about the planning. You know, the planning, the planning, the planning, getting everything ready. Um, we're in a good good state. I'm really comfortable where we're at now for Repco Beach Up 19. And, you know, by the time the festival comes around, we actually enjoy it ourselves because all the hard work's been done. And if we're not ready, by the time the festival starts, we're in big trouble. Of course. Um, so it's just, it's, just about, it's just about managing what comes up during the festival and, you know, and making smart decisions quickly and dealing with that. But most of the time, we just we just love it. It's an easy job. Once the festival starts, 
for us. It's easy. Hard work's all been done before it. So for 2019, um, how many cars are you expecting? Um, how many bands have you got um, playing? And uh, I, I guess you should mention your major sponsors because obviously they, they're a big part of it. Absolutely. Well, your Repco Beach Sharp 19 is scheduled for the 27th to 31st of March 2019. And what we do is we, we traditionally open up vehicle entry online on our website, which is www.beachhop.co.nz or NZ for our North American friends. Um, we open up entry at, at 7 a.m. on October 1st. And this year it was a Monday. And um, within 15 minutes, that's quarter past seven, we had 450 vehicles entered out of our 1,000. Wow. By 10, by 10 a.m., so three hours into it, we had 700 vehicles entered. So, you know, the event sells out within 24 hours. And, and four years ago, that would take three months. And just the popularity of the event has just skyrocketed um, over the last few years, and which is fantastic. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen um, by that itself. It, it, is, it is the hard work of our crew, the quality of the entertainment, which I'll talk about soon, and also, you know, our sponsors. You know, we got Repco New Zealand, you know, an Australasian company, um, now owned by the company which owns Napa Auto Parts in the US. Uh, so a huge multinational um, international company um, has got the naming rights to the event. Then we got Ford New Zealand, you know, we, we, we give away vehicles at the hop every year, yeah. and yeah. next year we're giving away a 1967 Ford Galaxy, which is getting the Beach Hop Magic worked on it at the moment, and um, that's going to be given away as one of our four major prizes given away through the program draw. You buy a program for $5, complete the formats and close in it, put it in the box by 4 p.m. on the Saturday, the 30th of March. Be there at the draw down at uh, Williamson Park, and you get the choice. You can take home the Ford Galaxy, thanks to Ford New Zealand. Um, we've got a brand-new Harley-Davidson motorcycle, thanks to Harley-Davidson New Zealand. Uh, we've got a retro caravan, um, which is the Jack Daniels retro caravan. It's going to be the Tennessee Fire retro caravan. And we've also got $10,000 cash. And we, from that four prizes, we do two draws. So you've got two chances of winning one of those major prizes. And that's all due to our sponsors. You know, we have Maguire's uh, who's for their car care products, polishing them, keeping them looking um, spick and spanned. And we've got Castrol. You know, all our lubricants in the vehicles are all uh, sponsored by Castrol, and also they give us a nice uh, cash uh, sponsorship as well. You know, absolutely uh, fantastic sponsors. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, so can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the other things apart from the cars and and the uh, and music? The, yes, so tell us about the music. Absolutely. Look, it's, it's a huge part of the festival is the music, and you know, we invest a lot of money and um, the entertainment that we bring on for the – it's actually a five-day festival, so we have um, four nights of entertainment, and plus we have Sunday down in the park. And we invest a whole lot in it. And, um, you know, we want to have, have all different genres of music from the 50s and 60s, not just traditional rock and roll, but, you know, there's there's all different genres. You know, there's, um, you know, obviously rockabilly, there's uh, country music from the era – um, and even within, within rock and roll, even like the late 60s was different to the 50s. So we don't want every band playing, I'm not going to pick on rock around the clock, but we don't want every band <laughs> playing rock around the clock. Sure. We want bands playing music from the era, but with a variety as well. So um, I think we'll probably have about uh, 18 or so um, different artists, if you like, bands and duos and solos, soloists performing throughout the festival. Um, some of them... They really they work hard for their money. We have them playing, uh, you know, two or three, sometimes four 
four days um, non-stop. But we try and bring in new bands every year. Um, there's certain bands that we have to bring back because if we don't, we'll get lynched because <laughs> um, they've got such a huge following. And we always try and introduce um, new bands to the to the festival. Well, you, um, gave, you gave us our first uh, our first decent show uh, th- three years ago, so we, you know we really really appreciate that. The amount yeah. of uh, you know the amount of kind of gigs and and touring offers we got from just the the three shows or four shows we did at Beach Shop was fantastic. So you know, we yeah. owe you for that. <laughs> That's okay. It was a pleasure having you guys here. And and again, it's all based on feedback. And when we get lots of uh, people give us feedback about bands, how great you guys were. Of course, we're going to try and ask you back and fit you in for for future years. You know, sometimes we give band, um, you know, we bring bands over from Australia and, and had a couple from the US as well come over, and um, you know, we we mix it up with some of the bands we bring them every second year or third year and just alternate, you know, rotate them through. Um, but it's just to you know, give it a, a really good variety of the music and and also you know people that we deal with. I mean, you guys are great to deal with, and you know, we we get a we get honestly, put my hand on my heart. We get approaches multiple times a week from bands all around the world who have heard about the festival and, and want to come and perform. And you know, some things, you know, we first of all we may not have the budget because you know we run this on a shoestring, um, but also you know venues and times and things like that. So, you know, and also you know bands that we enjoy working with who who add value to the festival have got a strong following and make our life easy as well. That's um, a big part of it. For sure. Now, c- can I just kind of um, uh, look at it from the local community point of view? Um, I'm guessing that most of the businesses that are in, if you like, the service side of things, so the, the bars and the clubs and the restaurants and the petrol stations, they must have – I mean, what they must turn over during Beach Shop must be almost the same as they would do in a month normally, I would, I would be guessing. But oh, but do you – I mean, there must be a few people that moan. Yeah, hey, without a doubt. I mean, we've had um, many businesses in, the, in those industries, which you just mentioned, have said to us they do in the, the week of Beach Shop what they can do over three months in winter. Wow. Um, and, you know, and they've also said that if we didn't have the hop, we wouldn't survive. So, you know, and our town needs businesses to employ people, keep the schools with – kids going to the school, you know, and, and also keep the doctors and stuff here, you know. People haven't got employment here um, and don't get paid, you know, and we, we help create that with the extra hours and work that they do for sure. Um, sure. in these places. But, you know, and, and we know, you're dead right, you know, we we try our best to please everyone, but we know there's people who aren't into it and they want to have their quiet little seaside town and they don't want to share it with anyone and, you know, the waves are theirs and they want other people there and it's noisy, but, you know, it, it's... We understand that, and but it is only for five days of the year, and it puts this little town on the map internationally. Yeah. Um, but not only that, we you know it, we pour ourselves just through the festival, you know, through fundraisers and the school, all the our local area school here, and they tell us what they make through the hop is more than all their other fundraising throughout the year, um, which takes pressure off the local community. You know, instead of having the school knocking on their door every week, you know, we give them a pretty big. Um, you know, cash injection, and you know we are a registered charity um, in New Zealand with the, with the Charities Commission, which we fought hard for. And so, it's in our constitution that proceeds are um, our benefactors are local emergency services. For example, the um, Surf Life Saving Club, Volunteer Coast Guard, um, Search and Rescue, um, Fire Service, St John, 
and uh, Westpac Helicopter. That's fantastic. And, um, well, over the years, you know, we've given over half a million dollars um, to those local organisations so that they can keep our little town safe. You know, if, if Fongamata gets a reputation for having a dangerous beach with people drowning, they might not come here for, the, for their summer holidays. People cut their boats and their motor breaks down and they get, unfortunately, they get lost. Um, the Coast Guard can't go and rescue them. People won't come here. You know, if, if we've got, thankfully, got the, the Westpac helicopter that can get someone to a major hospital within like 25, 30 minutes. Um, which it could be quicker than what you can in Auckland in a in peak hour and no, for sure. Yeah. So all those things that we've helped support over the 18 years, um, really, you know, benefit the whole, whole community. And that's what we say to people like, the next time you hear the fire siren go, just think how that's funded and, and not saying it's just by the hop, but we certainly contribute towards these, um, local emergency services. So if someone's, um, into cars or is into the vintage scene or the music or just wants to be part of the festival and they've gone to beachhop.co.nz and they're thinking, okay, I fancy this. Um, What advice would you give them about how to get to the festival, where to stay, things they can expect to do and some kind of insider hints? Yeah, planning, (laughs) just like us, it's planning your your, your, space Enjoyment of the festival, I guess, and you know, accommodation is is the the big key issue here. You know, we are a, we are a summer town. There is a lot of um, holiday rental homes um, which are available. Um, unfortunately, we're a victim of our own success, and it's driven by market where the prices are creep up every year, um, which affects us because we have to house the bands, of course. So and we try. We're actively in the media locally saying, "Hey, look, keep it real," because you know, we can't keep affording to have twenty percent increases in our accommodation costs each year. So accommodation, yeah, um, holiday homes, so you can book a batch, uh, et cetera, or run an advert in the local newspaper um, through one of the local real estate agents. They've all got letting services at their um, real estate businesses, so that's a key thing. A uh, beauty about the festival is that just about everything is free um, for the general public. Now, I say just about everything on the Wednesday and Thursday nights in the Jack Daniels marquee, we are, are putting on shows now. Um, the last two years has been a burlesque show and one night and then a comedy festival next night. We are looking at a different type of show for Repco Beach Shop 19 and that will be ticketed. But basically you can walk into any venue night time and see, you know, world-class live entertainment for free um, as long as you can get in but it's not too busy. Um, and also on the street, you know, we put bands out there on the street until 11pm at night so you can be out there and soak up the atmosphere of the cars cruising by while you're listening to some fantastic music. Wonderful um, stuff. We, we encourage people to, to dress up and be part of it because, you know, I'm not saying it's a fancy dress party, but if you're going to a fancy dress party and you're dressed up and you feel part of it, you just enjoy that party. Well, with the hop being a celebration of the 50s and 60s, I can assure you that if you've made the effort to, uh, to dress for the occasion and get into the spirit of the event, you will have a better time and you will get a great reaction from people and, you know, People will say, wow, you look amazing. The media will take attention of you if you, if you want that and take more photos. And, it, and again, that just adds value to the festival from our point of view. The more people that are dressed up and enjoying it, then the better and the, the better the flavour of the event. Absolutely. Well, look, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, I've got one more thing. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Hey, so another thing to do, and I strongly encourage you, to buy one of our $5 festival programmes. Um, as I said, the $5, it's got a full... 96 pages, it's got a full rundown of the festival. 
Um, it's got, you know, what's happening for the five days. It's got profiles on all the bands which are performing throughout the event. And, of course, you're in the draw to win one of two major prizes. There's over $120,000 of prizes. You could take home a brand new – well, not a brand new. You could take home a 1967 Ford Galaxy, a brand new Harley-Davidson motorbike, a retro caravan, or you could walk up $10,000 cash. So the program is a buy one. And keep it as a souvenir. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Noddy. Really appreciate it. And um, see you at Beach Shop. And I say boom, boom, deluxe rocks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> see ya. Bye. Bye. So the Rare Blues track. Uh, this is something that will be familiar to most of you. It's a song called Black Betty. Uh, it was originally an old Afro-American work song. It was often credited to uh, the legendary Lead Belly, but uh, we know that can't be right because there's plenty of recordings around prior to the, uh, his version that made it well known. In recent years, the most famous version without doubt is the Ram Jam version in 1977, which was a huge, huge worldwide hit. And uh, Australian band Spy Debate also had a hit with it. And apparently Tom Jones had a top 50 hit with it in the UK. Now, I've never heard that, so I'm going to go and Google that later. The origin and the meaning of the lyrics is a bit, um, a bit vague. Historically, the Black Betty of the title may have referred to a nickname given to a number of things. It could have been a musket, a bottle of whiskey, a whip, or even the, uh, the wagon that prisoners were transferred from one prison to another in. Um, the most likely one people think is it was the flintlock musket with a black painted stock and the bambalam referring to the sound of the gunfire. Either way, it's a very simple song. Um, lots of a cappella vocal only versions of this exist. Um, and this is, this is a wonderful version recorded in 1933 in the field by musicologists John and Alex Lomax. Um, and it's performed a cappella by a 63-year-old convict, James Ironhead Baker, and a group of his fellow convicts at the Central State Prison Farm in Sugarland in Texas from 1933. So this is Black Betty. Black Betty, Bam-a-Lam. Oh, Black Betty, Bam-a-Lam. Black Betty, where'd you come from? Bam-a-Lam. Black Betty, where'd you come from? Fantastic, thank you. How are you? Oh, 
I'm getting there slowly. Had a bit of an incident at the beginning of the week, so it's not been so good. A bit of an incident? Tell us, tell us. Well, here I was thinking, gosh, I've got no clean socks to wear. And it was a day where I needed my flamingo socks. And I knew they were in the garage. Of course. So headed up to the garage and uh, we had a bit of a prowler on our property. And a prowler? Oh, we had a prowler. What, just some random person walking around your property? Pretty much. He came from the house behind us, came up to me, knocked the poor Winky. Um, I got a big egg on my head. He, he, he hurt the side of my face, and I went flying over. And um, he, he, Hang on. You're saying this random guy walked up to you and thumped you? He sure did. Oh, my God. He sure did. So I have uh, quite a good flamingo egg on my head at the moment and been pretty much starfished in bed for the last couple of days. But I'm coming right, and I'm feeling quite good. Wow. And actually, I've um, I've been spending my time while staring at the ceiling thinking, oh, God, what am I going to do now? I'm actually writing an original Christmas song for you all, so you have to keep posted for that one. You're, you're, you're writing a, a – so hang on. So you, some <laughs> random person – Wallops yep. you, and yep. and you've you've reacted by writing a Christmas song. I sure have. This this, this is what we like about Winky. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're, I'm, we're terribly sorry on behalf of us and the listener. We're very, we're very very sorry to hear about your unfortunate incident. I mean that is. Pretty, I know. It must be a pretty rare occasion where where you are because you're you're kind of a nice little rural peaceful outback, aren't you? Well. I know. Well, unfortunately, we actually do have some rascals, you know, that are around, especially at the back of us. And um, actually, when I put in the police statement, they knew exactly which house I was talking about where ah. we lived in front of. So known um, known people. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have to I have to tell you something though. A quick report from the weekend. Um, I was in the Tiamutu Christmas parade in a Balia. And I'm telling you what, I had a dress on, on that was a replica of Minnie May's, Elvis's grandmother's dress that she wore one Christmas. Right. Um, back in 1957. And um, I looked fantastic. I tell you what. But I had a bit of an issue. Yes. It was a convertible. And the front of my top fell forward when I was sitting in the car. And I have... Not only a flamingo egg on my head, but I have the most sunburned boobs you have <laughs> ever seen in your life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my life has been very uncomfortable this last couple of days. But that's okay. You know, it's character building. And my Christmas song, boy, is that going to sound amazing once it's finished. Okay. Well, we're, look, we're really looking forward to that. Uh, look, rest up. Um, oh, yes. Know, what, what do they say? Drink lots of liquids and, and all that kind lots of stuff? Lots of bourbon? Yeah. Pinnacoladas? <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right liquids. Keep look, my liquids up. Uh, we, we hope you have a better week next week, and we will speak to you before Christmas. Um, and we're oh, looking well, forward to hearing your, your, your Christmas song. Well, I tell you what, I've mentioned this before, but yeah. Hetty, if yeah. you're listening, me and you, we're going to pair up. We're going to have the most amazing girl band once you hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Look, thanks so much, Winky. You rest up and we will speak to I you will. soon. All right. We'll speak soon. Bye bye. Bye. So, Vinci's trivia. It's a special car edition. The question was what was the highest price ever paid for a car? Do you want to have a guess? Oh, 
I don't know, like 20 million? Okay. In June of this year, a 1963 Ferrari GTO, that was a special edition, it was one of only 36 ever made, was sold for, are you ready for this? 70 million US dollars. Wow. That's about 110 million New Zealand dollars. Now, to put that into perspective, that's the same as the GDP of the city we live in, Auckland. Wow. For one, a lot of money. one car. Now, it was sold by a German collector to a guy called David McNeil, who owns a company called WeatherTech. So, one person sold it for that much to another person for their private collection. And it's the same as all of the money that was produced in Auckland last year. That okay. is utterly mind-blowing. <laughs> There's some really rich people out there. there. There are some really rich people. Um, in, a couple of interesting bits of uh, kind of backup info. Um, when people talk about classic cars, um, you know, I, we, we both love classic cars, but I think we both put our hands up and say we don't know much about it. Um, the definition of what a classic car is. So when I did a bit of digging... It seems as there's kind of different uh, categories. So a veteran car, their cars built before the First World War or before 1914. Wow. Okay, so that's the real old. That's ones. like basically motorized carriages. They looked like that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, kind of. They had the really, really thin, big wheels, didn't they? Yeah, and lots of them had kind of cable gears, oh, and, yeah. and and the brakes were kind of wooden blocks that just pushed against them. And I mean, people wore the goggles and the the scarf to to drive them. Oh yes. I mean, Hello. It's, it's a, it's a, do they all speak like that? Okay. They should. <laughs> so I mean, uh, uh, yeah, that's the horns. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that many like genuine. I mean, so many of those cars must have bits that have been rare. I mean, for them to still be running yeah. would just be mind-boggling. So, now, vintage cars are pre-1930. Okay, so okay. that's uh, that's kind of I guess just pre Second World War. Now post vintage, this is another category. So there's cars built between 1930 and 1949, end of the Second World War. Your gangster cars. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of your, your your black and white B movie things with the running boards and all that mm. kind of. Um, and a, and a generalist kind of a, an overall term for classic cars. It, it varies around the world, um, depending on what country you're in, um, but. Uh, the UK's kind of definition of a classic car seems to be the one most people follow, and that's anything older than 20 to 25 years. It does vary from country to country, but um, most people will say a classic car is anything pre-1973. So if you've got a 1974 Mini, unfortunately it's not classed as a classic car. Mm, yes, but, uh, you know, it's got to be a, a nice car, right? Well, I mean, it can't just be any old well, junk, right? This, like, I mean, this is what I was thinking, because you could have a... Um, I mean, what no, if you what if you had one of those terrible bongo wagon vans? Well, you that know? wouldn't be from 73, Well, yeah, it? but say in well, the no, future... Skoda, if it, an old Skoda or a Larder or something yeah, like that. And I'm not that, dissing your, your Eastern <laughs> European heritage. I, I have nothing to defend there. They are awful, awful cars. But, I mean, that, obviously Skodas nowadays are great, but the old... Yeah, because the, they're owned by... Volkswagen, but, yeah. yeah. But... but <laughs> But back in the day, those things were terrible. Oh, yeah. But you could have a 1970 one of those, and technically it's a classic car. But but what if somebody wanted to collect one? What if somebody said, hey, I really want one of those as a class? Like, well, who defines this? I guess if you've got one and you've lovingly restored it and it's in its original condition and it's in beautiful condition, I guess someone will see that as being, you know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I mm, guess. It must know? be. 
So anyway, so that, that's our that's our car trivia for today. So that's the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, thank you. Uh, we've had a couple of people give us suggestions and things they'd like to be covered off in the podcast. That's always fantastic. Anything you've got, any ideas people should talk to, um, movie ideas, whatever. Yes, we'd love to hear your feedback. Anything old school, anything old school, up to about the punk era, I guess, is our cutoff. You know, and nothing really before the First World War. Otherwise, it means too much work for us to have to Wait research a it. What about the steampunk thing, though? Well, that references Victorian stuff, but, yeah, that's but it started in the late 80s. Hmm. So it's kind of a... Okay, well, should we include that? Okay, we, officially we are going to include steampunk. So I promise you, here I'm going to make a promise now, you're going to hate me. Our next episode will be about steampunk. Please don't stop listening because of that. There'll still be lots of other retro cool stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not that I'm dissing steampunk or anything. It's just, you know. I've got at least a week to research it and Christmas and record an album. It's going to be fantastic. Trust me. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you're on iTunes, leave us a nice review. Thank you. Um, if you're on one of the bazillion of the other ways of listening review share all that kind of stuff it really helps us we really really appreciate it thanks a lot for tuning in see you next time bye retro gas me retro gas me